Xavier, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 2. One of the many aspects of Oxano is we do the public reading of Scripture. So every week, someone is going to come up and read out of their Bible, but there will also be the text on the screen as well. Jeremiah 2, verse 11. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory from that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We're going to do a call and response in Thanksgiving. I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord, and you will respond with thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, y'all, it is good to be back together again. My goodness, I see so many familiar faces. I see a bunch of new ones as well. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Blake Jenkins. I'm one of the ministers here at Dawson, and we just are so honored that you would join us as we worship here together on a Tuesday night. There are a lot of other places that you could have been, a lot of other things that you could have been doing, but you chose to gather together with us, and for that, we want to say thank you. And here at Oxana, this is going into the fourth year of this service, which is crazy uh, that some of you in here, if you were in college students or now some of our college students that are here in young adult ministry that have stuck around, we, y'all remember what it was like when we were here in the chapel four years ago, had a small stint where we went over to the sanctuary during COVID, got to spread out just a little bit more, social distancing, y'all remember that? Oh, Masks, the whole nine yards. Oh, this is so much better to be able to be back together in here, worshiping together. We worship through song, as y'all saw that we do in an incredible fashion. Kara and our team up here that leads musically. We all help me thank them real quick. Just like mercy. Beyond grateful for that dear sister and for the ministry that she and her husband Caleb and all that they do to be able to make sure that we can go into the presence of Jesus in such an excellent way. And so we do that through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. And then we come together, we worship through fellowship, as you guys saw if you were here before service, during our greeting time, and you'll see at the end. And we do after parties once a month where we just get to spend a little bit more time around each other after the service. And it's a great time. That'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. But then we worship through the Word. And as we go through with the Word, we're going to be going through a couple of different series over the course of the semester. We're going to be in the life of the Apostle Peter uh, here starting next week, episodes of Doubt and Devotion. It's going to be a great time as we look at the ups and the downs of one of Jesus' disciples. Jacob Pierce, our minister of young adults, is going to be kicking off us off with that series. Can't wait for you guys to get to know him some more. And then we're going to be ending the semester in a series going through the minor prophets. And so if you know Cole, who read the scripture up here, that's like his bread and butter. He loves himself some minor prophets. They're not scary. They are, but it's okay. That we will make them more accessible. How about that? There we go, Cole. But tonight we have a standalone message, and so that means that I got to pick anything. Really, I was just seeking the Lord, and what would he have for us as we come together here at the beginning of this semester Whether you're a college student and you're here at the beginning of a new semester or you're a young adult here, there is so much that happens at this time of year, really with the changing of the seasons, with schools starting from K through 12 all the way up until undergrad and grad schools, 
everything's starting up, that there's a time for new rhythms. There's a time for new habits, for new routines, new relationships. Maybe you wanted to cultivate one, a friendship. Maybe you wanted to retrieve one. Maybe you're realizing, okay, I need to be more intentional about how I spend my time. What would the Lord want to be able to say to you? Or if you're coming in and you're just cruise control, You've been doing a lot of road trips over the summer. Maybe you did some camp ministry you, or you were one of the chaperones for your youth group back home and you were driving down the interstate and you just popped it on cruise and you were just listening to the podcast and you were just zoned out, getting ready to go. To, and you're doing that in life right now. What would the Lord have for you here in this particular season? What would the Lord want to be able to say to you? And I was taken to the prophet Jeremiah chapter 2. And as we go right here, it's not your typical like, hey, let's get the school year started off kind of sermon. Be shocked, declares the Lord. Be utterly appalled. The Lord is leveling charges against his people. And as we're going through, it all has to do with their thirst. It all has to do with their thirst. And so we'll go ahead and we'll get all of the chuckles about being thirsty out of the way together. If we could just chuckle a little bit all together. <laughs> right? Okay. There we go. Now we've got that over. Yes, college and young adult ministry. It's awesome. Right? My brothers and sisters who serve in middle school ministry, it's a little bit more difficult. Right? But for us as we're going through is we're looking at this fundamental desire that all of us have. That of hunger, the desire for food, and thirst, the desire for water. That these are fundamental needs, that they are, they are words that capture desire for that which is necessary for human life. And God right here in Jeremiah chapter 2 is using this particular metaphor for thirst. And he is talking about how his people, they have, they have a thirst for the wrong things. And that as they're going through, there, this, in this passage, there are two truths that we can see that are implicit. Within the text, they're a little bit more subtle. There are things that we can infer about what's going on in Jeremiah chapter 2. And then there are two things that are explicit. So let's start with the two implicit ones. What are two things that we can see from this particular text that Cole read for us just a moment ago? The first is this. Our souls are thirsty. Our souls are thirsty. Your soul, you have a soul. And your soul has the capability for desire it longs for something. It is seeking for something higher. And as we're going through, if you want to see what we desire as humans, I don't think you have to look any further than the advertisements and the songs. As you're going through and you start to see the different ads, right? For me, right now, it's college football season. Praise the Lord. I love this time of year for a multitude of reasons. But that means that I, what do I do? I cut back on the streaming services. I get live TV again. And what does that mean? My almost six-year-old who only watches Disney Plus is like, what is a commercial? And as we're going through, I was like, well, buddy, they're trying to sell you stuff. Dad, have you ever bought something from a commercial? Yes, I have. As we're going through, like, but you just, they're trying to tap into the desires that we already have. They're trying to play on the things that we want. Like, I mean, you get a car commercial. It's like, yeah, I want to be powerful. I want to, I want to be respected. I want to be tough as a rock. I want to be up higher than everybody else on the road. Yeah, yeah, that's something that I want. Okay, I'll buy a Ford. So I'm going, no, not really, right? I drive a little car. But going through, like, they're tapping into something. Or y'all, it's with the songs that we sing. I mean, there's a reason why I saw so many of you. I follow you on Instagram. 
So when Taylor Swift announced her new album dropping, Midnight, is that what it's called? Songs written in the middle of the night. I mean, genius, right? (laughs) But you're going through, and she can write album after album about love embraced and love scorned, right? A whole lot more of scorn. And we're going through, and we're just, we're tapping into our desire for love, for connection, for belonging. You don't have to look further than the ads and the songs. That our souls are looking for something. Our souls have a thirst. They're looking to be satisfied in a similar way that you, after having cut the grass on a hot summer's day, or you walking around Disney World and you've been pounding Cokes all day and you are severely dehydrated and you feel that your body is swelling and what you just crave a cold glass of water. Your soul is the same way as it goes through this wasteland. And as you and your soul, you need a drink. Your soul is thirsty. And, but here's the second truth that we're able to see implicit in this text. That our souls can be only satisfied by God. Our souls can only be satisfied by God. Who in this text, Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 11 to 13, where he self-identifies as the living waters. He identifies as the living waters, as that which can bring life, enjoyment, sustaining to our lives. That as he's going through right here, and as he is telling us, we see, like I said, you don't have to look beyond the songs, or in this case, in the Psalms. You go over to Psalm chapter 63, verse 1, and then verse 5. This is what David, the psalmist says, King David. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He is saying that my soul has a thirst and it is for you. And my soul, down in verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. The psalmist right here knew something that countless others through the pages of Scripture and those believers since the beginning of the church until today, things that they knew and that we know to be true, that God is more necessary for life than anything else. And that for us, our hunger and our thirst are but faint analogies to the truest and deepest need of our hearts. I want to tell you here at the very beginning, I'm just going to put all my cards on the table. For you, you can only find fulfillment. You can only find satisfaction in the one who made you and who tells you how you work and what you're worth. In other words, you can only find fulfillment in the one who created you and in the one who redeemed you. And as we're going through, we see beyond the two implicit things that our souls have thirst and God is the only way that our souls can be satisfied, we get to the explicit things that come across in this text. We see this next point, that we all, we make head-scratching, heart-wrenching exchanges. Head-scratching. It's like puzzling, like it doesn't make sense. And heart-wrenching, like it just makes your insides want to crumple up. Exchanges. Listen again to Jeremiah chapter 2. Has a nation changed its God? He's talking about Israel. He's talking about his people, the people that he delivered out of bondage, out of slavery in the land of Egypt and brought them into the land of promise. Has a people changed its gods, lowercase g, even though they are no gods? 
But my people, they have changed their glory. They have changed my name. They have changed me for that which does not profit. It was a bad investment. It went to zero. That market crashed. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Like, you've got to look on as a bystander and wonder what went wrong here. For my people have done two things. They've committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And not only that, not only have they forsaken me, not only have they have walked away, but they have gone and they have hewn out, hewn, that's, they have cut out, they have made out cisterns. You know, you don't really go to Target, right? Everybody's moving in or you get your first apart, apartment after moving out of the dorms and you're in young adult life and you're going through and you don't go to Target and like, I'm looking for a cistern, right? You know, that's not anything that we really use in the state, but like a container, something that could hold water. But they have forsaken the fountain of living waters and they have come over here and they have cut out for themselves these cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that don't even hold any water. They're left absolutely dry that these are the two evils they have forsaken and they've tried to do it for themselves they have forsaken and they have tried to look for satisfaction in other places besides me as we're going through god he gives this picture that they would have immediately understood in that day and age that as he's going through he says that they have dug themselves pits to try and hold water but even these man-made pits can't hold any water. You see, there were three types of water that really you could classify in that ancient Near Eastern world. If any of you uh, have an ESV study Bible, like I am unapologetic, I will push that sucker all the day long. I'm ready for Crossway to like cut me a check for how many times I recommend that amazing tool. It's awesome. Why do I think it's awesome? Because there are all of these amazing study notes at the bottom. That as you're going through and you start reading and there are parts of the Old Testament especially that seem really inaccessible and you're like... That's head scratching. I don't know what is going on right here. That you go through and you read and it's helping make it a little bit more accessible. If you go and if you look at Jeremiah chapter 2 in your ESV study Bible, which some of you in here have, the study notes in that portion talk about that there are three kinds of water. That the first kind would have been living water. And that's like water that's coming from a stream, from a river, from a brook. That it's flowing, it has movement. That there are less impurities in this kind. Y'all, this is the kind of water that people go to war over. This is the kind of water where you want to have the right position. Where that causes societies and families to be able to flourish. Why? Because they're close to the source of life. That this is that first kind, the best, the kind of living water. The water that the Lord is saying, this is me. Analogous, like this is me for you. The second kind of water would have been that that collects in a well, right? That's going through, maybe it can be filtered going through the ground systems, right? And it collects and it pulls together and it's being drawn up, right? Not as good as living water, but it's better. And then you have the last kind. And let me just read you. You have the last and worst type of water was runoff water that was collected in a cistern. And this was a pit that was cut into limestone and plastered around the edge to prevent seepage. But it also collected silt and mosquito larvae. Mm. Delicious, right? You know, you're going through. Just have that little sprinkled in, you know, all that kind of stuff. As you're going through, like, that, what the Lord, his charge against them in this image is that the people of God have forsaken the fountain of living waters 
that plot of land next to the source of life that brings about flourishing that people would kill to be close to. And they have uprooted themselves and they have gone somewhere else that has no water. And they have tried on their own to be able to carve out into the sandstone to be able to collect water. And the water, it can't even be held in there because the cracks everywhere. And the little bit that's left is riddled with impurities and will do nothing but eventually bring destruction, disease, and finally death. This is why the Lord is saying, like, do you see the difference? Do you see the heavens? Do you see the disparity between what is being offered to my people of what they had, of what they have with me? But rather they would go over here and try to do it themselves. They had access to the never-ending, always pure fountain of living waters. And now they have these crack containers that can't hold anything. It happens with us. It's not just a charge that can be leveled against Israel thousands of years ago. But it's something that can be leveled against us too. I've done it. You've done it. No one is excluded from all of this. That we've gone through. And we have access to this free offer to be close to the fountain of living waters. But in a lot of ways, we go over here and we try to do it ourselves. Why? Because our parents did it. And their parents did it. And their parents did it all the way on and back until you get into the garden. There was a river that was flowing through the Garden of Eden. You look at Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. And the Adam and Eve, our forefather, our foremother, that they go through, they had access to the very presence of God, walking with him in the cool of the day. But what did they do? They exchanged that glory for another one. And after being deceived by the serpent, what do they do? They go and they take and they eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've had conversations with people before about what you mean to tell me that all of this hell unleashed here, all of sin, brokenness, and death being unleashed in this world is because they ate from an apple. I'm like, what one? It doesn't say it was an apple. Eh, you know, it just says fruit. More likely a pomegranate, right? And as we're going through... It's not just an act of them chewing and then masticating this piece of flesh of fruit. No, but what's going on here is what that represented. They were created to reflect God in this world, bearing His image. And in taking and eating, they sought to replace Him. That they wanted to have some knowledge. They felt that God was holding out on them. That if I take this, I'll be like God. And we won't have any further need for him anymore. I can have a certain level of independence. But by virtue of us being created, we are creatures of dependence. That's why you need food. That's why you need water. That's why I'm here to tell you, you need God. You can go through parts of this life functionally living, but dying on the inside. I know it because I've talked with a number of you. I have been where you've been. That there are so many times that the things that we're chasing after in this life could be remedied if we were staying close to the living waters. No, it's not a catch-all. No, it doesn't mean that everything, when you start following Jesus, your life is going to be sunshine and rainbows and nothing's ever going to be hard again. No, but staying close to the source of life, you will be able to have a certain measure of vitality 
and enjoyment as you go through this world. And you, if you're over here and continuing to draw, to try to scrape, to try to get more of all of this on yourself, you will be malnourished, you will be dehydrated, and you will be a shell of yourself. And so tonight, I'm wanting you to be able to take a drink from the living waters and to stop trying to get these cracked containers of your own making. Why? Because y'all, I mean, I thought, it's the first Oxana, why not just offend everybody? Okay. Right from the get-go, okay? Let's just get it out of the way, all right? Whether you're a college student or a young adult here, we all have these cracked containers of our own making. We, we look in all of these other places for fulfillment, for meaning, for worth, for satisfaction in a deep place in our souls. You look for it in trying to cultivate an image or achieving a certain status. The Instagram aesthetic is a real thing trying to perfectly curate a profile, and sometimes even doctoring images. There's you're going through, I'm trying to figure out what will my reputation be? How will it be affected if I'm with this person or that person? I take this job or I take that job or I live in this neighborhood or that neighborhood. You start to look at it for the brands of the clothes that you wear, of the cars that you drive, of the accessories that you carry. That as you start to get so wrapped up, if you're still in college, in three little Greek letters, and letting that to tell you who you are, or for you to think that you have somebody else figured out just because you know what student organization they belong to. Or if you're going through, and you start to just, in this life, you start to identify yourself so closely with that of a team, with that of a school, with that of a degree program, or if you're coming here and you are wanting and looking for some sort of fulfillment or you're chasing after some sort of meaning and you are being pulled by your passions and by your attractions and you are starting to identify in ways that you never thought before you would, that you are trying to cultivate this persona, this image of something to be held up, of something to be celebrated, telling you it's an empty cistern it's not going to hold any water you can try and collect and wait and see if you can take a drink but your soul is still going to be thirsty after you get what you think that you need or you'll go through the other cracked cisterns of relationships of friendships right Maybe some have reached certain levels of codependence where you could not envision yourself without the other person. Where you are looking for them to meet every need. Where you go to them with your deepest longings and deepest problems. Or maybe it's that of a romantic relationship. That it has gotten into a point of unhealthy patterns and habits. Where you are crossing line after line, not just physically, but emotionally. It could be your family. Uh, it could be a source of blessing for you here in your life. A, a good gift from God. Or maybe for you, some of your family is just loaded with baggage. But if you are going through and you just are so looking for either your family for fulfillment, satisfaction, meaning, or in you one day longing for a family, that of a spouse and being able to have kids, 
and so that your perfect little family can have a perfect little life and have a perfect little profile and then be able to show everybody else how it's really done. As you're going through with relationships and you're so longing for that connection that you start and it's not coming and so you are just looking for anything that will help to give you some measure of connection or pleasure. And so you'll start going into things that will give you pleasure or that will help you to cope with pain and you'll start looking at pornography. That you'll start looking at for images to be able to arouse or to help you to block out the pain or the hurt or the absence. Or that you will go through looking for alcohol to be able to numb or to enjoy or substance abuse, looking for creature comforts or y'all, even with entertainment, with movies, with hobbies with sports, with being known as this type of person and how important, like if that was taken away, what would be left? It's a cracked cistern. It can't hold any water. And you could reach into the highest levels of what you think that you would want and when you get there, it will be dry and your soul will still be thirsty. It could be the cracked cistern of where you put your hopes and where you find your security. It's your politics. Well, if we just get this or that person in office, then everything is going to be better. Everything is going to be fixed. Everything is going to be set right. It could be your good health. It could be the future that you're constantly living out there where the grass is always greener or what is going to be coming. Or it could be the past. That you're looking and you're just longing for what high school was like. You're longing for what college was like because you're disenchanted with the current stage that you're in. It could be your resume that you update and that you're working so diligently for those added bullet points to make yourself stand out even more. Or it might not even be your professional resume. Maybe it's your religious resume. That as you're operating or trying to relate with God in a works-based righteousness... That maybe if I can just do enough quiet times or go on enough worship services or go on enough mission trips or have this many conversations or do this, that, or the other, then maybe I'll be able to earn my keep in the kingdom of God. Not realizing you have been adopted into a family. That all of these things done in your own strength are cracked containers. They're broken cisterns that can't hold any water. And even when you've collected everything that you think that you will need out of that It will not satisfy your thirsty soul. At the end of the day, sin blinds our eyes. It hardens our hearts. It disorders our minds. And it turns us in on ourselves. Really what we're able to see in forsaking the fountain of living waters and then coming over here and trying to make cracked containers of our own making. Really what this is is idolatry, biblically speaking. It's idolatry. And it's not the idolatry that we're able to see sometimes in other world religions. I've seen it. I've led mission teams up to Toronto, which it's a shorter flight than going to New York City, but you feel like you're in certain parts of the city on the other side of the world. I've been to the Hindu temple there. I've seen children walking around and pouring shot glasses of milk on a golden serpent. I have seen that kind of idol worship before. But I would contend that all of these other things that we give ourselves to and that we look for longing, that we long for, that we think if I could just have this, then my life would have fulfillment. If I could just have this, then my life would be perfect. 
that we are, worship, we are bowing down. We are bending the knee to those. Because really what we see at the end of the day, I want to give you a very simple definition for what idolatry is. It's somewhat reductionistic, but I think it can be helpful. That idolatry is turning from God and trusting in self. Idolatry is turning from God, the fountain of living waters, and trusting in self and trying to be able to do these things on our own. And in doing this, our desires for all of these things, some might say, well, God, I have these desires. I don't want these. Please make my desires for these things less strong. God, weaken them. I love the way C.S. Lewis, y'all know C.S. Lewis, 20th century apologist over there in England, Yale the whole Chronicles of Narnia, everything like that. Well, that brother, I mean, he wrote a lot more than that. And it's, uh, it's some good stuff. And so in going through, in one of his essays, he called The Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis had this to say about our desires, about our longings. It's a little bit long, but it'll be up on the screens. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering natures of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. That for us, as we're going through, our desires for our desire is not too strong and need to be toned down. No, your desires need to be heightened. Your desires need to be strengthened. Your desires need to rise and they need to find their home in God. That for you, the exchange rate of exchanging the living waters for cracked cisterns of our own making, the exchange rate is abysmal and you will lose it all. And it's like, I mean, leaving a committed, long-term relationship for a lover who sleeps around and who treats us poorly and ends up leaving us feeling worthless. It's, a, it's another biblical picture that we're going through and talking about, especially in the Old Testament, that idolatry is spiritual prostitution. That God's people who were in covenant relationship with him, dipping and going off and getting with other people, getting with other gods. That what we have right here, it is turning from God and trusting in self. It's what we see all throughout the book of Judges. Y'all, I do not look forward to going through the book of Judges during family devotion time with my almost six-year-old. That book has got some stories, R-rated stuff going through. Like, it's Unreal. Go, go read the book of Judges sometime. Come back and we'll talk. You go through it, but what is characterizing? What is running through the book of Judges right there where everything seems so broken and so lost? It's this. Everyone, it says it at the beginning of the book and at the end, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone was just living their truth. Everyone was just doing what they thought was best. Everyone was thinking, yeah, this is who I am, and so I'm just going to live into this. 
Their desires weren't too strong. Their desires were too weak. And they were focused on themselves. And their desires needed to be heightened. And they needed to be fixed on God. So I'm not up here to give you an emblazoned battle speech before you start the new semester or before you go into another season of working in the working world. But I am up here to tell you not to do this or that. Rather, I want and pray for you to get a vision of God that is so large, that is so beautiful and so satisfying that when you see what the world has to offer, it is a no-brainer. For you to be able to say, no, I'm good. I've got everything that I need. I have everything. That when you see what the world has to offer, that there is so much more joy found in God. I'm not up here to try to jip you out of an experience. I'm not trying to cheat you out of coming of age. I'm not trying to withhold something for you. I'm telling you where the greatest joy can be found. And I'm not selling a timeshare. I'm telling you that you can have access to the living waters for all of your life and life eternally. That you don't have to go looking all of these other places. Your heart doesn't have to be so restless. Because, yeah, we're going through and we see we have all of these cracked cisterns, but the call, after all of these head-scratching and heart-wrenching exchanges that we've made, that the call is to return to God. The call is to return to God. We see it in Jeremiah chapter 3. It's reprised all throughout the Old Testament and all leading up to Jesus. All of it comes together in the person and work of Jesus. That we see in John chapter 4. Some of you know where I'm going with this. That Jesus, he's there in the heat of the day. And there's a woman at a well. And Jesus goes up. And he starts talking to her. She's, and he asks her for a drink. And she's a little puzzled. And she's a little like, you do know why I'm here in the middle of the day, right? You do know that like, we're not supposed to talk. Also, the fact, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We don't play nice. What, what's going on here? And we get to John chapter 4, and look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God... And who that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you what? Living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? See, she's, she's thinking in the literal, right? She, she's going through, but Jesus, he is tapping into something that our souls have a thirst. And they only can be quenched by the presence of God. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Verse 13, and Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. He's so patient. He's so kind. He's leading her along in her misunderstanding. She's still thinking literally. But Jesus is telling her, telling her right here that you can have access all of the other places, all of the other things that you have been looking for fulfillment and satisfaction in your soul. It can be found. You are in the presence of the one who could fix that. You are in the presence of the one who can fulfill that. That Jesus himself is the living water God in Jeremiah chapter 2 and looking forward 
knowing that the sun coming would be our living water, the effervescent and pure spring of sustenance and life. And when we leave him, when we leave this, and when we chase after these cracked cisterns, we are foolish. When you put them side by side, there is no comparison. And where we have made an exchange, well, Jesus was going to come and he was going to make an exchange. He came and made an exchange of our sins for his righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That he is the one who wants to fulfill our souls to bring light and life and love to our hearts, our minds, and our eyes. And when we see his personal work and his coming and his exchanging through his sacrificial death on the cross and his death-defying resurrection at the empty tomb, that as we go through and we see this, what do we now do with that? We repent. That's not just a good fire and brimstone word. It's a word that needs to be dusted off and used a lot in this day and age. Well, what does it mean to repent? Well, I think to repent is the opposite to idolize. That if we go through and if we were to look at it this way, repentance is turning from self and trusting in God. That repentance is turning away from trying to do it on our own or to try to look for these cracked cisterns that can't even hold water. And when we return to the living water himself. And the two evils that God charges his people with in Jeremiah chapter 2, forsaking and carving out cisterns. Jesus comes and he extends two blessings. Where we have forsaken, he pursues. He has come to us. And where we have tried to build these cracked containers, he gives his broken body for us. That Jesus, he now helps us to live doing what is right in his eyes and not in our own. And where our hearts can finally be at rest. It's like in that song that we sang here earlier in the service. Right before Come Thou Fount, that tag that was added to the beginning, our restless hearts find their rest in you. That's lifted from a quote from St. Augustine, early church father. You might have heard it before. You're going to hear it again tonight. But he said this, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Your heart will be restless. You will go and you will try to carve out cistern after cistern and you will see that none of them can hold water and you will wait for something to collect for your soul to be able to take a drink and it will be restless and it will move and you will never find what it is you're looking for. But you can return. You can come to the source of living waters and find rest for your soul. And as we go through and we live in this life, We need to drink deeply. We need to stay close to the source of life. We need to desire for God. And to realize that, yes, in this season of college and young adulthood, like for you, it is marked with a lot of transition, a lot of growth, and a lot of connection. And you're focused on a lot of things. And you will be lulled into thinking that those things are more important than your relationship with God. 
And I think it is part of my calling, the Lord using me to jolt you out of that slumber and to realize you could get the degree and lose your soul. You could get that job and lose your soul. You could gain the whole world, the scriptures say, and lose your soul. Your first and foremost identity or goal in this season is not to get a degree or not to get a paycheck. It is to live your life before a God who wants you to stay near to Him and for you to know the one who made you and the one who redeemed you. And so for you here in this season, I think Psalm 42, the very beginning, verses 1 and 2, is a great prayer for us as we get ready to go into this new season. That is a deer pants for flowing streams. My soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? That longing, that desire to be able to stay close day by day, season by season. And we look forward to the day when our souls will be satisfied for forever. Because you can look at this, Revelation chapter 7 the very end of the book and the very end of this sermon. Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. For the Lamb, that is Christ, is in the midst of the throne, will be their shepherd, that's the people of God, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And it's there that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Where the presence and the power of sin will be removed from this world, and you won't chase after the runoff water of this world, but you will be drinking deeply from the living water himself and find streams coming up from out as well. You won't be digging pits to hold wastewater, but you will be drinking drafts of the purest water. Don't fall prey to lesser desires. Don't try to carve out cracked cisterns of your own making. Let's drink deeply from the source of our life, from the source of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you in a spirit of confession and we, we say that we have done these things. That at different points and maybe even up until this day, we have, we have forsaken you, the fountain of living waters, and we have, we have tried on our own to satisfy the thirst that our souls have. And God, we, we just confess that we can't do it. I pray that you would wake us up to see the offer the offer that Christ brings of himself. So I pray, God, that you would not decrease our desires, not dampen our desires, but, God, that you would increase them and that they would find their home in you. Wake us up, Lord. Revive us again. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano Podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.